this, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Gabby Barr, and I'm here with Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you today? I am doing great. Uh, Gabby, I'm, I'm, I told you guys I'm struggling with my new computer. Anytime I get a new computer, it's always jacked up. Nothing's like it used to be. And then it takes me like a year to get it reset. And then they want to give me a new one. So I don't know. I am uh, overcoming my technology challenges this morning. And I am very excited by our guest today, young lady that I've been watching online and learning a lot from uh, regarding a certain variety of air conditioning uh, that we're going to learn a little bit about, but more so hear about her and her journey to uh, her profession and uh, looking forward to it. So get us going and let's, let's get this thing going. Well, I am excited to introduce Ruth Gill. She is an HVAC engineer at Crystal Air. Ruth, how are you today? I'm very well today. It's sunny in Dublin, which makes change. So happy day. Well, Ruth, we're so glad you're here with us today. You are in Dublin, so for those listening, it will have a little bit of delay. Just know that we're uh, crossing the Atlantic, so uh, give us a little bit of give us a little bit of freedom today to uh, have a, a little bit of a technical delay if needed. But Ruth is the young lady, and as I said in the opening, that that I've been watching and listening to. Uh, mostly on LinkedIn, and she has such a cool story and a cool background. She works at Crystal Air and has for a little over 10 years. Uh, Ruth, I'm just excited to hear your story, but more so, before we get going, give us just a little bit of, of you and, and how you got here and, and what you do every day and a little bit little bit of foundational info on, you, on Ruth Gill herself. So I got into the trade in 2007-ish, originally I wanted to join the fire brigade and at the time I remember chatting to people and they said that they looked really favourably at people who had a trade background. So the system here in Ireland is an apprenticeship, there's no trade school, it's apprenticeship. So I went to the local office that deals and all that and kind of learned all about the different trades that were available, such as electrician, refrigeration, plumbing. And I applied to several companies doing various trades. And I think like three days later, I got a reply from a refrigeration company who were looking for people. And I had an interview and this has been my life since then, really. Well, I'm so glad that uh, that worked out. And a lot of people say being in the fire brigade is like being an air conditioning technician because you're always putting out somebody else's fire. So I, I'm, that's interesting that uh, there is no trade school. It's all apprenticeship. Uh, you know, for us, we do a little bit of both. So tell us a little bit about what you do every day. You're, you're Crystal Air. I know you as the queen of BRV and BRF uh, troubleshooting. Uh, I can't remember who told me about you. Maybe one of your colleagues. And we talked about you um and and they were like, you got to talk to this lady. And I'm like, oddly enough, I've been I've been following her anyway. So it's kind of a natural fit of how we came together. Yes, yeah, so the majority of the stuff that I work on is VRF slash VRB. Everyone should know I love a Panasonic one. I know they're not that popular in the states, but Panasonic would be my favorite brands to work on. But most of the stuff I actually work on is Mitsubishi, and it's split now. You are getting um, well, the US market is 
only kind of getting introduced to the hybrid system. But we've had it here for a couple of years. So most of my work is split between regular C VRF and then the hybrid VRF. So we do a lot of data centers and tells and offices over here. Yeah, we we are beginning to see a lot more uh, split in general, but in particular heat pump uh, split uh, multi-head units. So it's coming around. Um, I just remembered Alex is the one who, who Alex and I are talking on the podcast and he's the one uh that that told me we should sync up um he is a great guy i love to talk to him uh alex richardson for those who who may remember him being on the podcast all right ruth so how didn't you get to be you know the go-to for the the multi-unit uh vrv vrf system was it just because you had an affinity for it did you receive some specialized factory training did you have a mentor who guided you that way what how did how did you wind up being you know kind of in this spot and more so i think who influenced you or who influences you daily how, how does that work for you from a mentorship role yeah so it's funny that you that you mentioned alex but i'm in a whatsapp group chat with several HVAC engineers from the UK and Ireland so we'll all kind of if it's kind of like troubleshooting and then just shooting the shit with each other and so we're all able to kind of bounce off each other if we're if we're coming across issues but the fact that I work on VRF VRB it's just because that's the majority of the stuff that's over here like the system is used having residential isn't really a thing over here and if it is you would call them ductless so we would we would just call them wall mounts it would just be those type of units and houses Right, but the majority of the work we would do would would be commercial stuff. So it would be offices with maybe like ten to twenty indoors on one floor. So that'd be maybe two VRF systems, one VRF system. It's just it's just kind of like the way it's done over here. It's VRFs in offices and hotels and stuff. So it's kind of by necessity that I have to work on them. So I have no choice. Yeah, we're we're beginning to see more and more of those applications over here. You know, it's great technology, it's energy efficient, and it's great for zone control as well. So we're we're seeing that. So how are you guys structured at, at Crystal Air? Are you one of a handful or one of twenty? How, how big's your shop? How how do y'all look uh, as far as headcount? And then how do you fit into that system? Are you the only female? How does that look for you guys? So the company itself is I think over a hundred plus that includes all like the office admin people so it's kind of split into two so there's the there's the installation team and then there's the service and maintenance team so I'm one of I think we have about 17 vans 17 18 vans on the service and maintenance team so I'm one of those so it'll be me working with uh, an apprentice every van will have an apprentice okay so it's kind of split that way are you the only lady working? No, we have a another another woman, uh, Alana. She's third year, I want to say, second or third year. So she's one of the apprentices. Well, one of our missions here is to talk about how we can get more people involved in the skilled trades, and and you know we we kind of blend everything together. We talk about relationships and mentorship and recruiting and all the things that make our lives happen. Are you seeing more? women getting involved in HVAC over there or is it you know here here women in construction is like four percent overall and then women in HVAC is is probably similar uh percentage two two to five percent 
How, is it growing over there? Do you see more women want to get involved? Honestly, no, I don't think so. It's yeah. um, my, my eldest sister, she actually works for the company who looks after apprenticeships. And when I had qualified, I think up to 2011, maybe 2021, I can't remember. I had my sister check, go into the system and check for me. And I was only one of four women in the entire country that had completed the apprenticeship at the time. So well, we were joking, like I've called the population here is about five million. I was joking that I, I literally have one in a million with her. But um, I, honestly, I I could actually find that out. I'm, I'm very intrigued. But from what I can see, as in like people, and like talking to various trades people, I really don't think that the, the number's gotten any higher, being honest. Why do you think that is? What is the, you know, I, I have my own beliefs about what it is over here in the States, but what do you feel like the, I, I don't know, the, the barriers are, or what are the stigmas, or what? why don't more women want to get involved in the trade, air conditioning specifically, but overall, what do you, what do you think? Is it a, just such a male-dominated world that they just don't want to mess around with it, or what? I think it could be that as well. I think there's just, there's not really, I think, a great understanding of the trade itself. Like, even to this day, a lot of people ask me, oh, sorry, an electrician. I don't think people understand that over here, it's a completely separate trade. Yeah. And I, don't, I think that, yeah, I just don't think that they understand it. And I think a lot of people think that it, it could be very labor intensive, you know, like looking at nitrogen bottles and, and that type of stuff. But the way I always say, like the way health and safety is these days and like people working in pairs, like you're never going to be you're never going to be expected to do anything crazy or, or stuff like that. But yeah, I just think it's it's very misunderstood. Yeah, I think that's probably a worldwide problem. And, and part of what I try to do is just create awareness around what we're doing. Because, you know, I mean, carrying a, a two-pound laptop around working on building automation is not detrimental to anyone. You know, yeah, digging a ditch and, and putting in 10-inch pipe is, is a different labor requirement than being a building automation tech but there's so much need that i I wish we could just get the word out more so uh specifically when you're in school is where you know people are deciding what they want to do with their life and having one more option would be great so that's part of what i do is try to just create that awareness that there are more routes than just going to work as a laborer versus going to college or university so i guess we'll just keep battling that I don't think people understand over here as well for the system over here for apprenticeship. You get paid to go to college. Yeah. It's split into seven phases. So it's work, college, work, college, work, college, work, and then you're qualified and you're paid to go to college. So Ruth, you said that uh, you have an apprentice in every van. Is that a requirement? Yeah, it's, it's more so health and safety. They don't, want, they don't want people working on on site alone unless they absolutely have to. So we all would carry... Uh, man downer buttons as well in case anything happened nice yeah we we don't have that policy here in the states we have a lot of lone workers out and about every day driving around the country in vans and and pickups and what have you it's a real human problem you don't hear from a technician for a while and you don't get attached or you can't call them on the phone you know it really I've had to go looking for technicians before in my life at the end of the day. And, you know, maybe the tech just got, you know, involved in their work and forgot what time it was or what have you and lost track of time. That is a great tool, a great feature. And is that 
Is that a law or is that a company policy? No, it's just company policy. Okay. Just because obviously we, we'd have someone on call 24-7, so just on the off chance you might be on a roof at, say, 10 p.m. at night and something happens, you just hit the button and it'll go to one of the bosses and then if they can't ring you or if they then they'll call you and if they can't get in touch with you, well, then alarm bells will go off. That is really a cool tool. So you've been, you've been at Crystal Air for 10 years. How do you see your career developing? You, looking at your, your uh, image here on the screen, you're a young lady. How do you see your career going? Are you... Would you like to do, you know, stay in the field and work? Are you thinking more education in the future, leadership? What are, what are your plans and thoughts? How would you like to to perpetuate yourself? I'm definitely happy enough on, on the tools for now. But I do see myself in the next, I'd say, three to five years phasing out of the tools. And, and I see it's a question that I've asked myself multiple times and I do contemplate at times. And I'd say probably like in leadership, slash kind of like training thing because the amount of different equipment that we work on especially in the company i'm in it'd be nice to kind of have someone who's very specialized in one and is able to to train the other lads and the the other women who, who come up in the trades because the other i was only in italy there last week at the the mitsubishi training center getting trained on um their crack units so like that's going to be a major part of our company going forward with the data centers we're going to be putting them in everywhere. So I th- I'd say probably something like that. I think that's great to aspire to, you know, as a tradesperson myself, having worked, as you guys say, on the tools for many years, I don't think there's a better trainer out there than somebody who has done the work other than just read about the work. It, it brings a, exactly. a, a, it really brings a reality. It brings a, a an awareness to the classroom that is hard to replicate if you haven't been out there at 10 p.m. on the rooftop like you talked about. I I remember chipping away snow on a data center, chipping away snow, trying to get a unit to run and cooling. And until you you do stuff like that and understand all the nuance of specialized training like you're talking about, you know, the data center world is exploding. It's only going to be more prolific. I, I'm, I'm recently uh, joined a group called uh, Nomad Futurist, and Nomad Futurist uh, is, a, is a foundation that its goal is to create awareness in the world about data centers, technology, and all the things that go into us being able to hold an iPhone and, and have a video conversation across the ocean in real time with millisecond delay in our voice and getting more people aware of that, then if you add on the recent awareness around AI and generative AI and all the conversation about artificial intelligence, data centers are going to boom. The problem with data centers is just like the other sector of our industry, we simply don't have enough people to fill all the roles that are required. So Nomad Futurist, Service Logic, I'm representing today with my golf shirt, Crystal Air, Ruth Gill, Greg Crumpton individually. You know, all of our role is to create awareness and uh, and allow people to understand how many opportunities there are for young people, young ladies, middle-aged people, veterans coming out of the military, 
anybody who wants to work, we can help them have a very great career and make a great living and do something worthwhile. So I hope those kind of messages proliferate over there like they're beginning to over here in the States. Yeah, the, the word is kind of getting low because even we'll take, for example, the way like you have furnaces and the AC and houses, the way it's gone over here is every new build has air to water heat pumps. So that market is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So the the potential there is incredible. And yeah. then because the climate here in Ireland is generally, I want to say generally cold slash raining, the amount of data centers that have been built here in the last couple of years is crazy. Yeah. And they're still, they're still building. Yeah, that's not going away. And, you know, it's a great career to be a technician that can work within a data center and for you and I specifically on the air conditioning, but electrical, networking, you know, every every craft that you can conceive is involved at a data center. And uh, the more people that are aware of it, the better. A funny story, I was up near Washington, D.C., six weeks ago or so at a, at a data center convention. And there was a group of protesters out there in front of the facility protesting data centers. Now, what I found really funny about it was they were all holding a smartphone, taking pictures, tweeting, and posting online about how bad data centers were for the environment but they're using the data center in order to get their message out via social media. I just found that so ironic that I laughed all the way home on the airplane. I guess people thought I was drunk, but I just thought that was ironic that, you know, they're using the technology that they were protesting. I don't know how the uh, environmentalists are in, in Ireland or the UK in general, but uh, over here they have a big voice, but... There's not many of them. So it's like a, a, a quiet majority or a, a small minority that creates a big voice. But there's not a lot of heat or not a lot of substance to it because a lot of companies really are doing some good work in, in energy efficiency and creating a better efficient data center with, with power utilization by water conservation. They're doing all the right things, but they don't get credit for it. They just get beat up, you know, because they're an easy target. Yeah, like I'd say the main kind of talking point for them here is the the amount of electricity that they use coming from the grid. I think it's it's increased four hundred percent or so over the last five years. But that's just because the amount of them that they're building. So that'd be the biggest talking point and like issue people have with them. Do you happen to know the cost of energy over there per kW? Oh, it was. Oh, I was talking about this the other day. Is it ninety something? What is your equivalent of a penny? Our penny is is you know one cent. What is your equivalent of that? Yeah, it would be one cent. So we use euros. I want okay. So I just didn't know how the how the change broke out. All right, so I'll, I'll save my international math skills for later. When you think about, you know, you talked about training and kind of move it in, potentially move it in that direction. What would be some advice you would give to young people coming into the industry? What, what would your methodology of instructing be? Are you 
a more of a, a put your arm around them and hug them kind of coach or are you more helping the industry once you reach if if you decide to go the teaching route how how do you how how does Ruth wind up teaching what does that look like well I think the first thing that I always tell every friend is that I think they should definitely have is a notebook like I carry a notebook in my service bag and it has everything from passwords of machines to even simple things like how to reset filter signs how to get into secret menus that type of thing so it's really it, I would say that and then the next thing I always say is just ask questions because if you ask me something that I don't know I'm the type of person where I'll want to find out for myself as well as you so I would definitely say just get a notebook would definitely be my top tip anyway yeah, and I, I think always having that learning mindset, you know, I remember when I was a younger guy as an instructor, I felt like I learned as much as my, my students because I wanted to be able to deliver for them and not just, you know, recite some crap out of a book, but really understand the, the what we were teaching and how it could apply in real life. You know, you go through all these these equations and you go through these work steps in the book, but that doesn't explain everything that you run into in the field. One more thing that I wanted to ask you about too, and I'm not sure if you pronounce it Smith or Smythe, but you worked at a toy company. Oh, Smith's Toys. So Smith Toy has some really interesting training devices for young people or for new people new to the industry in electrical and controls and the microprocessors and building pc boards is that uh the same company that i'm thinking of yeah they would definitely have a couple of couple of pieces like that yeah you can build little electrical circuits and stuff like that yeah i've i've often thought that those were great gifts to give to young people, middle-aged school kids that had a knack for working with their hands. I've, I've done that a couple of times, but I want to make that more of a routine. If people figure out that they're tactile learners and they need to build stuff in order to learn, I don't think there's a better way to do it than with one of those boards. And, and Smith, I just happened to see online a while back, had a pretty extensive uh excessive lineup of those. I mean, I saw you work there, so I thought that was pretty cool to tie into my little snooping about you. Yeah, because I, I would definitely agree. Like, I myself am that type of learner. Like, I prefer, I need to kind of see it and see what I'm doing. Like, reading it in a book, I don't want to say it means nothing to me, but I need to be able to physically go up and be like, this cable has to go here. I have to move this. I have to move that. It's completely different to book learning. And even you mentioned earlier, like even if you read, you could read a manual for VRF and the fault could tell you it's caused by X. But you know from working on it that that fault is actually caused by a completely different part. Or So it's all about experience and that's just, that's just the way it is. You need to, you need to get your hands dirty. Yeah. So you were in Italy and last, I think you said last week or last month for Mitsubishi. What, what did they have coming for the data center? Is it a, a standalone Crack unit or what What are they doing? Yeah, so we're going to be putting in standalone crack units into uh, electrical rooms, I think. 
So they're they're basically just a big huge split system, but it's it's all uh, proprietary and it was it was very very good to see them. We were chatting to two of the lads who work in the factory and program them, and it was very very interesting. We definitely learned a lot out of it. So for those who don't know, Crack C R A C is Computer Room Air Conditioner, and um, it's built a little bit differently than the air conditioner for humans because. Uh, with humans, our air conditioners work to extract moisture. That's why you see condensation running out from your air conditioning drain pipe. With a crack unit, it is built more specifically to extract more sensible heat, which is dry heat, so to speak, which IT gear generates. So it's just waste energy. And I know that um, Train has made a big investment in Mitsubishi, and I just wonder if some of that is a collaboration between Train and Mitsubishi, did they happen to mention that while you were there? No, they did. I don't. I'm not sure if Train is associated with in Europe. I know it definitely is in the US. Is it METUS? Is that the yeah, yeah. system in the US? Yeah, the here's just Mitsubishi Electric in Europe. Okay, cool. As the world turns, Gabby of air conditioning, we have to keep up with this stuff. And Ruth, so you'll know that's the. <laughs> opera they have over here in the states they're used to anyway i don't know if it still goes or not but so we've talked about the data center market in the uk growing we talked about maybe what you want to do next what are you doing to help kind of foster the learning do you, uh, of, of younger people do you have uh, outside of the uh whatsapp chat room do you have some people you're working with closely are you mentoring are you being mentored what's your What's your humanistic side look like? To be honest, it's just, it's been on the likes of LinkedIn and Instagram and seeing some of the other equipment that people are working on and just just asking them questions about it. Like if they post something that they diagnose something, they'll say, well, how did you, how did you get to this? I'll always ask questions on stuff I've never worked on, particularly brands I've never worked on. Like um, you mentioned earlier again, Alex, he's gone to work for Hitachi now. So he's just going to be completely with that manufacturer. I never really work on that brand. So it's just being aware of the vast amount of equipment that's actually out there and just tr- trying to get your head around it because we could take over a site tomorrow that has Hitachi in it. So it's my mentality is... I need to learn everything about that from a service side because it'll be me who'll be going in to service it. So I need to know how is it addressed? How does it do this? How does it do that? That's my mentality when I'm when I come across new stuff. It's I'll be straight into the notebook and I'll be like, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. I have a great, a great lecturer in college and he, the lecturer in college always said to us, a fridge is a fridge is a fridge, which is 100% right. All the VRF, splits they all work the exact same way it's just how are they programmed or the different fault codes that are specific to that company or that brand but it is true at the end of the day your fridge is a fridge is a fridge well you know 25 30 years ago when digital controls you know kind of came into the marketplace it really changed for a lot of people because to your point a fridge is a fridge is a fridge vapor compression will never change you know it's it's a it's science you can't change uh the boiling point of a certain refrigerant it's going to boil at a certain temperature but it's all in the controls to your point you know you can have you can call it vrv or you can call it vrf depending on what flavor what manufacturer but we're still accomplishing the same thing exactly 
And I think that's important to to realize is that as a technician, if you learn the basics and really know the science behind what you're doing, electrical as well as mechanical, because a good technician has to be a great electrical technician. You can't work on mechanical stuff in a vacuum. You you have to know electrical. But if you know the basics, just like you're talking about Alex going to Hitachi, it doesn't matter because he will learn the nuance of Hitachi just like you learn the nuance of what you work on most of the time. But how you compress refrigerant doesn't change. So I think that's a really cool thing that carries us from company to company or manufacturer to manufacturer. I did want to ask one more thing, though, Ruth. At Crystal, are you? do you guys sell mm-hmm. certain brand or do you sell all brands and then service all brands? How, how do y'all, how are you structured there? So they will service anything, but uh, they predominantly sell Mitsubishi, Panasonic, and Daikin. I'd say right. Mitsubishi is... Is the main seller. And they used to be, uh, when Sa- for Panasonic, they were owned by Sanyo, and at the time they were the biggest distributor of Sanyo in the country. But I'd say it would it split between those three brands that they would sell. But yeah, we'll service anything. So, are you a distributor with the installation and service department, or are you a contractor that happens to sell those pieces of equipment? No, it'd be contractor who happens to sell those pieces of equipment they would just be they'd be classed as like a like and i think it's called a d1 partner and then yeah over here it's a little bit of a, a a mashup we have some distributors who have installation and service and then we have contractors like you guys who who service anything install anything but predominantly have a favorite care uh you know brand so it's just always interesting to me to learn how uh, our industry and our people within the industry operate and, and kind of function around the country, around, I'm sorry, around the world. And at the end of it, it's good people, Ruth, you know, that make it happen to me. It's, it's quality people. I've met some people from every freaking country I ever go to that are in the air conditioning industry. And they're just freaking good people. They welcome you. They want to, they want to teach. They want to learn. And they're hospitable. And uh, I just want to take take this time to say thank you for, for that, uh, being open and showcasing what you do in the UK for, for people to see. Uh, it's, it's really a great way for people to see the industry. And, uh, you know, we get myopic about how we look at it over here because, you know, 99% of what I see is stateside. But to be able to see uh, a different way uh, maybe a different way of looking at things, a different way of operating a company. It's just all, always always good to learn. So thank you for being so open and doing that and, and kind of sharing your journey through the trades with us. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me. It's crazy to me that the, I, I can see the, I don't want to say the disparity, but the difference between like the US and Europe, even the use of like R22 over in the US, that's been banned here for nearly a decade now I, I can legally only put gauges on to recover gas out of that system if it has R22 after that I can't touch it so it was crazy to me the the difference well that is an interesting point you know we we our government over here is so screwed up on many 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 topics but that's a whole nother podcast we could host we'll just talk about for the refrigerant you know we're going through right now 
the the shutting down of R410A. We're moving towards 32, uh, which you guys have been using for a while. 454B is another yeah. kind of pleasure over here, as well as 290. So today, if you go start up a new system, what, what's the refrigerator of choice right now in Ireland? Yeah, most of it is R32. 32, okay. Yeah, it's good gas. I think it's going to be yeah. around for a while. So, Well, Ruth, we're running up on our time. Gabby probably has a hot date at lunch or something to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's 12 o'clock for, for me, 11 for her, so she's got a prep, and I guess 5 p.m. for you. So really do appreciate yeah, taking, yeah. Time, taking time with us this afternoon after you work the poll and uh, spending a a little bit of time with us and helping us learn more about what's going on over there with you and uh, just really appreciate it learning. So thank you. And tell us where uh, people can find you, LinkedIn, where else are you? So LinkedIn, Instagram, my account would be at H-V-A-C Gurlow. I do have a YouTube, but to be honest, I don't really, I don't really use it too much. So I'd say yeah, Instagram or LinkedIn would be the two. Okay, and it's Ruth Gill, G-I-L-L, for everybody who wants to look her up. All right, Gabby, well, I guess it's that time. Awesome. Well, Ruth, as Greg said, thank you again for joining us. And everyone else, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Straight Outta Crumpton. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channels, Apple and Spotify, for more episodes like this. And don't forget to check out GregCrumpton.com for all of your Greg Crumpton content.